You ever get discouraged? You ever sometimes feel like you're saying, you know, I'm just tired of this. I'm, I'm tired of tired of having to study. I'm tired of having to try to do right. I'm tired of always sacrificing and, and then folks being upset about it because they don't like the way Christians live. I'm tired. We're just tired of it. And then when we have those feelings, we feel even more guilty because we're just absolutely certain that nobody in the Bible ever had any feelings like that. And why can't we ever just have faith like they had and, and everything be good in our lives and everything be rosy? Are you aware that the folks in Bible times actually did have those kind of feelings? Folks in the Bible times had to be encouraged. In fact, if you look in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin at verse 32. Apparently, there were a whole bunch of Christians among the Jews at this time that, that were very discouraged. They were going through trials and problems, and the Hebrew writer is striving to encourage them. And in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, he said, But recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You notice what he, he began with. Think back to the former days. Those days when it was easy to be a Christian. Those days right after we came into the body of Christ and, and, and the blood removed our sins and we were excited. And it was okay. Even when bad things happened, he said, you, you were able to take that. But of course the problem is as it's lingered on and it's continued, what we've got to have is endurance. And he ends with this point that we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. He points out that, that the key to overcoming our discouragement is faith, enduring faith, increasing faith. And then in chapter 11, as he continues on, he provides us with great examples of faith. He gives us uh, lessons in faith. I call Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm sure others have, the, the great hall of faith. As you take a look at those in the past who, who have excelled at faith. And as we look through Hebrews chapter 11, we recognize that the definition that he's given to faith is seeing the unseen. It's not the concept of believing what is contradictory to all the evidence just because some unknown source has said it but rather the fact that based upon the evidence, that based upon the testimony, we can't accept even the things that we haven't seen because the evidence demonstrates that they're so. I'd like for us to take a few moments. We're not going to look at every character in this chapter, but I want to highlight six of the points that are made here about seeing the unseen. And I hope that we can take courage from our predecessors who, yes, struggled, who, yes, were discouraged, but they held on to their faith. They saw the unseen, and they continued on. And we can do as they did. Before we look at that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we have never seen you, but we see you. We have not seen your Son, but we have. We have not seen the Spirit, and yet we do. 
We know that you are there by faith. We can see what is not seen. And we are amazed at your power. We're amazed at your grace and your mercy. We're amazed, Father, that you have condescended to allow us this opportunity to come to you, to lay ourselves out before you, to cast our cares upon you, to worship and praise and glorify you, and even to confess our sins to you. Father, we're thankful for the forgiveness you've offered through your Son. And we know, Father, that you are a loving God, and we're amazed. Help us today to increase our faith. Help us to be encouraged and strengthened so that we can continue on and we can shine our lights in the world so that others can come into your family. Help us to see what is not seen. Through your Son we pray. Amen. There's six things in this chapter that I want to highlight. The very first thing I think we need to recognize when we're talking about seeing the unseen, and that is in chapter 11 and verse 3, by faith we can see the unseen beginning of the world. There in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, the Scripture says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, none of us were there. We haven't seen it. Nobody has seen it. But by faith, we know that God is there. We know that God was the one who brought what is visible out of that which is invisible. He created the world out of nothing. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 points out that our God is the builder of all things. After all, every house is built by someone. And Hebrews 3, 4 says, therefore, Every house is built by someone. The builder of all things is God. I mean, look at this building. Did anybody walk into this building this morning and say, I wonder how this building got there? No, of course not. We recognize that somebody built this building. And we look at the world and how amazing it is, and we can understand that somebody built this world. Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 Paul wrote in Romans 1, beginning of verse 18, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. It is apparent as we look around us, as we see the design in the universe in something as big as our, our solar system and galaxy all the way down to something as small as, as even the most minute cell within our bodies. We recognize the design and we see the creator and the designer. We can't miss it. We see the unseen. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1, points out to us that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world in them. He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The point being that we can look around us and we see the testimony of God. By faith, we see the unseen. God is there, and it is not unreasonable. It is not illogical to look at the amazing design of our world and see the evidence of a designer, to see his thumbprint stamped upon it. And by faith, we can see the unseen beginning of the world. But in like manner, by faith, we can see 
really, I guess I could say the unseen end of the world. We can see the unseen judgment to come. In fact, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible there says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah had never seen 40 days of rain. He had never seen rain that fell so hard and so long and and the deeps gushing forth water that caused folks to die. In fact, some folks would suggest, and I, I tend to agree with them, that perhaps he had never seen rain at all. That up until this point, there had been no rain on the earth. But a mist would rise up from the ground as it did there at the beginning. And yet, when God said, I want you to build an ark because I'm going to send floodwaters and I'm going to destroy the world, Noah saw that. He saw the judgment that is to come. By faith, we can see the judgment that is to come. There will be those who mock us. People laugh and make fun of us. And yet we can see the unseen judgment that is coming. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. In Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, Peter writes this about that coming judgment. He says, knowing this first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same Word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, in verse 8, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should repent. The judgment is coming, and folks will mock, and they don't see it, and and they question us, and they wonder, and why on earth would we live the way we're living? But we recognize that the judgment is coming. We see that. Well, I have to tell you, for me, this point is actually tied up in the first. You know, there are days of discouragement. There are days of doubt for me personally where it just seems like it would be easier if I could live this life without that feeling of responsibility of having to obey God, of not being worried about how I live and trying to do it right and trying to serve God and glorify Him. There are days when it just seems like that would be easier. But the problem is that that first day, that day in which God said, let there be light, that is so impressed on my mind. I look around the world and I just can't see it any other way. And so when I see that God is Creator, I recognize that just as he brought this world into existence, at some point he's going to take it out of existence. And so because of that faith, I can see God as judge. And we can see that unseen judgment. And even those days when we don't want to see it, we've got to remember that. By faith, we know that it is coming. The third thing we recognize by faith, By faith we follow the Master's directions, though we cannot see where He is going. Back in chapter 11 again of Hebrews in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. 
God didn't say to Abraham, here's where we're going and here's exactly what we're going to do. But he believed in God. He had faith in God. He had faith that where God was going to lead was what was going to be best for him and for his life. And so he went, even though he didn't know exactly where God was going. The proverbialist teaches this. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, remember he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. We don't always know why God is doing what He's doing. We don't always understand why God said to do what God said to do. But by faith, we can see the unseen God. And by faith, we know that God's way is best. By faith, based upon the Word of God, as we've read and seen His plan, we know that God's will is best for our lives and we can follow it even when we don't know exactly where it is going. That's what Abraham did in Hebrews 11, verse 8. Consider Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. There Paul said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, The New American Standard, I believe, says we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Notice it doesn't say that God causes all things, but it does say that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him. No matter what we're enduring, no matter how bad it could be, we can trust God that He is going to work it out. He's going to tie up all those loose ends. He's going to bring it all together and it's going to be worked out for our greater good. We may not be able to see how it's going to get there. We may not be able to understand it. But we can have faith in our God. He's always done it that way, and He always will. By faith, we can follow God, even when we don't see exactly where He's going. And in like manner, as we continue on, we recognize that by faith we're not distracted by the cities from which we came. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 13, it says, Hebrews 11, verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, or those cities from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Whatever the land or city from which we came, how easy it is to turn back to that and be distracted by that. Just like the Israelites when they were standing before the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming and they said, why did you bring us out here? Were there not enough graves in Egypt to let us die there? How easy it is to be distracted and want to go back. Consider some of these faithful that are mentioned here. How easy it would have been for them. Abraham in Genesis 14 when the five kings had taken Lot captive. How easy it would have been to be distracted to just go back home. In, in chapter 26, when Isaac had to deal with the shepherds of Gerar who were arguing with him over the wells that his family had dug, how easy it would have been to be, be distracted by the cities from which they came and just go back. Jacob, as he was on his way to meet Esau, and it looked like Esau was going to fight against him, how easy it would have been for him to be distracted and want to go back to the city from which he had come. But they didn't. They, hang on to the, they hung on to the blessings of God. And they looked forward to that city, that heavenly country. They weren't distracted. How easy it is for us to look back to where we came from. To the days in which we followed our fleshly passions and allowed our lusts to lead us. When we followed the path of least resistance. And even though life was harder in those days, it was easier. 
And how easy it is to look back at that and want to go back. But we've got to learn to see the unseen. We've got to be able to look to that heavenly country. We've got to be able to look beyond and, and have faith. At 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. All these things around us that want to distract us from the heavenly country, to bring us back down here to follow the path of least resistance, to, to go back to the land from which we came. All of these things. This is just a light affliction. Sometimes we think it's going to kill us. But it's really just a light affliction. And as we bear up under that by faith, as we look to what is not seen, the heavenly country that is awaiting the reward that God has reserved for us in heaven, when we look to that and we bear up under that, it is, it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we have to look to the unseen. As Paul said in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, he said, well, if I can get to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, he pointed out that we should not set our mind on things on the earth, but set your mind on things that are above. By faith, we set our mind on things that are above. And we're not distracted by the things that are below. And then we recognize that by faith, we are not overcome. We're not overcome by fear. We're not overcome by temptations. We're not overcome by tribulations. There in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured at seeing him who is invisible, at seeing him who is unseen. We're not overcome. By faith we're not overcome. We know that the pleasures of sin are momentary. But in those moments, how blinded we can become as Satan tries to overcome us with fear. That if I just don't get to do this, it's going to kill me. Or he blinds us with the temptation of the pleasure and all that we're going to miss out on. But you see, when I've got my mind's eye focused on what is unseen, and I look to the reward, and I base my life on that, then I know that I can overcome fear. I can live without it. I don't have to be afraid of the king's edict. I don't have to be afraid of the pharaohs in my life. I don't have to be afraid of the temptations and the tribulations. I can overcome because I know I'm looking to the reward. And I can remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, when Paul pointed out that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We see this unseen God who takes care of us, who helps us overcome, who provides the way of escape. 
And by faith we can overcome the fear, the tribulation, and the temptation. And finally, by faith we are granted approval by God. If we look at the very end of the chapter, as the Hebrew writer finishes out this litany of the faithful, he lists several people all in a row and all the things that they had done by faith and through faith and and what faith had accomplished for them. But he finishes it off with this statement in verse 39 and 40, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So often we look past one of the most important parts of this verse and and just hone in on the fact that they hadn't received the promise because it was for us. But, But notice that statement, Though commended through their faith, commended. They found approval. In fact, the entire discourse on faith began in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is through faith that we please God. It is through faith that we are commended by God. It is as we see the unseen that we make it through what is seen and stand before God and hear Him say, Enter in, good and faithful servant. But our faith will be tested. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our faith is tested. And we haven't seen Jesus. And yet we do. By faith. And as our faith bears up against the text, as our faith bears up while Satan strives to discourage us, while Satan strives to distract us, as our faith is increased and as we build up, that is what gives us the salvation of our soul. It's by faith that we gain approval. By faith, we see the unseen beginning of the world. By faith, we see the unseen judgment to come. By faith, we follow the Master's directions, though we can't see where He is taking us. By faith, we're not distracted by the cities from which we came. By faith, we're not overcome by fear and temptation and tribulation. And by faith, we are granted approval by God. By faith. By seeing the unseen. By looking at the evidence and recognizing what it teaches. And holding on to it. Even though we haven't seen it. That's faith. But as we consider this litany of faith, I recognize that that even that can be discouraging for us as we look at their great faith and we just think, you know, I'm just not like that. I I have days of doubt. I have troubles and times where I've been overcome. Did you notice who all these people were that were discussed in this chapter? You, You think about all the things that have gone on in their lives. Noah, 
who got drunk and exposed himself to his son. Abraham, who at one time was, well, didn't have trust and faith in God's plan, so he tried to make it work on his own by having a child with his wife's handmaiden. Jacob, who lied to his father and stole from his brother. Rahab, who we didn't discuss, but she was a harlot. David committed sexual immorality and had the husband of the woman killed. Samuel, though he was a great man, didn't raise his children to serve the Lord. What an amazing group of people that are listed here as the great warriors of faith. You see, the fact is, these are people just like us. These are people who had moments of doubt. These are people who had moments when they were overcome. These are people who had moments where they were faithless. And yet, by God's grace, they were able to overcome that. And were able to be champions of faith. Just like we can be. Don't be bogged down with the mistakes you've made. Turning your faith back to God and let it grow. Because it's by faith that we gain His approval. And you can have that faith. No matter who you are. No matter what you've done. And you will receive God's approval.